Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Hey everybody, I'm Rayma. And I'm Pete. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the Netflix show The Fall of the House of Usher. This week we are covering episode one, titled A Midnight Dreary. (laughs) <laughs> love it I, I, yes. I squealed a little when i saw the uh-huh. title yeah yeah I, I i last night when they dropped i was a little where i was like should i look at all the t- episode <laughs> titles in advance because i don't want them to spoil it. and i don't think they did i ended up losing that mental battle and reading them just because i was like i gotta see the poe references i gotta see where this goes and yeah it's fun um i think there's a couple episodes that are more specific to just like oh this is within this world i don't think it was a direct poe reference but I'm not as versed on Poe as I would like to be, so maybe they are. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was. I I also took a quick peek. I won't read them out just in mm-hmm. case anyone considers that spoilery, but uh, there's definitely some references yes. uh, there in the titles, um, which is fun. Uh, you know, fan of Poe here. So this series, uh, I know we were just chatting just before. Uh, we we hit the record button here that we're so stoked to be back. We've had yes. one hell of a break. <laughs> <laughs> it feels it's forever. I don't know. It's like if anybody's listening to Run For Your Lives, I've still been doing that every week. But then when we do like the little plugs and stuff at the end and I was just like, I feel like a broken record because every time it's like in my other podcast, Strange Indeed, we're still on hiatus waiting for the Flanniverse to come back to us. <laughs> yeah, it was a struggle to, you know, find something to cover and not have it overlap and run into, you know, uh, Fall of the House of the Usher. You know, we've obviously been looking forward to this for so yeah. long. This is like priority number one. It was like, Abs- we got to give it our all when it's here. Absolutely. And and if, if anyone is listening and happens to be catching our Great British Bake Off coverage, I mean, that's that's separate. You know, we've, we've been playing around with that a little bit, but it's definitely separate from this. And we mm-hmm. really um, wanted to focus on this and not have uh, anything else take away because so stoked and man was it worth it i mean i'm so i'm so glad that that we're back for this i mean if anything is worth coming back from break for it's definitely anything in the flaniverse uh Mm -hmm. watching anything you know mike flanagan um that he is a part of creative um creatively um and directing and something that he's wrote is just it's like a warm being wrapped in a warm, cozy blanket on a cool fall evening, you know, mm-hmm. cozied up on the couch for me. I mean, it's like being yes. home. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would agree with that with with a with a healthy level of like 
anxiety and stress because you're just like, oh, God, what's going to happen? What's that? But (laughs) definitely. (laughs) Yeah, that goes without saying for sure. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Well, so here we are at episode one for this show, which is the last series uh, that's going to be from the Flanniverse on Netflix. He's reached a deal with Prime for anyone that um, I I think we talked about that before, uh, covered that in our news once before. But if you were not aware, uh, he's, um, you know, moving over to Prime and going to create some content for them. Uh, So this is his last series here on Netflix, which kind of an end of an era. I mean, he's really, you know, uh, him and his team, you know, what they've done, you know, to to bring this um, horror kind of leveled up in my opinion, for Netflix. So, yeah, um, it's quite a partnership. I think Netflix was the one that coined the Flanniverse term. Uh, (laughs) Oh, okay. I'm not sure it could be him, but I mean, that's where I first saw it was like Netflix actually like advertising the Flanniverse. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. Yeah. uh, So yeah, it feels kind of weird, but I'm glad that like, because I know we kind of worried about with Midnight Club and how it seems to be like that just kind of got dropped and we were hoping Netflix wasn't like really mad at him and that there's this like kind of infighting. But luckily I've seen Netflix has been promoting the hell out of this show. So I think that they know it's still worth giving it lots of good favor and credit here. Absolutely. Uh, It's anything that he's put out for them has done really well. So it's definitely in, in their interest, I think to, definitely promote it uh, yeah. because it definitely i think brings in uh the the viewers for sure um so yeah we're, we're super stoked to be back super stoked for this show what are your general thoughts about this first episode oh man i <laughs> i loved it like i said it's good to be back with mike flanagan i'm not sure what to expect i'm like already like okay I was in critical thinking mode on my first watch, maybe too much. I had to like reel it back because I was Mm -hmm. like, just enjoy it for what it is first. And then I'll do (laughs) notes tomorrow. Um, But yeah, because there's just so much like you already know, like there's all these little like details and intricacies and mysteries and secrets and things that are waiting to be, you know, unveiled and revealed. And it's just like. I want to know what all, like, I'm already trying to think of what secrets I'm going to want to know about. Like, <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. thinking ahead of like, I don't even know what I don't know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to know it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited to be back and it's looking great so far. Uh, of course, a lot of my points that we'll really get into, I'll, I'll talk about a lot of like casting and, and stories and things I'm excited to see, but man, I'm just, I'm ready to be emotionally ripped apart, terrified, <laughs> uh, confused, and then mind blown all one after the other for another eight episodes. <laughs> I, I can't say it any better than what you just did. Uh, I, and I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I loved this first episode. So great to be, to be back with, uh, you know, something that Mike Flanagan has created um, just in time for spooky season, you know, mm-hmm. it's my favorite time of year Yes, and fitting to have a series like this to be covering again. And I'm thrilled, um, with how well, in my opinion, the first episode really was, I thought it was a mm-hmm. really strong, yes. uh, episode one, you know, to, to lead us. I thought there was enough to grab you and make you curious and make you want to keep watching. Yep. 
you know, I thought there was enough mystery there, enough questions to be like, well, I, I have to keep watching to find out, you know, what, what the hell is going on here and get some answers to this mystery and, and to these questions. And we may not get a whole lot of answers. You know, they, they love to kind of keep us hanging sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, but they usually give us just enough to at least satisfy you um, and, to, of course, keep you watching. So I'm, I'm thrilled. I thought it was a really strong episode. And yeah. Uh, I, I can't wait to talk about it. So um, let's go ahead and jump in because I know we, we've probably got a lot to talk about. And I'm, you know, um, we are covering this like it just dropped today or mm-hmm. very, very late last night. If you stayed up past, what was it, 2 a.m. or something <laughs> to yeah. watch it. Mm-hmm. So we are we're fresh off. We don't normally do this. So I'm hoping, at least for my sake, that I have some uh, coherent thoughts because I feel like I like to marinate it on it for a day and I haven't had my whole day. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know. I might be going in circles here with a lot of my points. So I'll apologize in advance to our listeners. But regardless, um, I think we're going to have some great conversation because it was a fantastic episode, in my opinion. Um, Paik, did you want to kick it off with your first point? All right. Uh, start kind of quick and easy, but I'm going to start near the end. We're going to talk about right. New Year's Eve, which is the kind of final flashback that we get in this episode of, of Roderick's storytelling here. New Year's Eve 1979 going into 1980. We have Roderick and Madeline Usher entering this small little bar on New Year's Eve. They have come from a different party at a different location elsewhere, and they have done something. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> they're not necessarily hiding out, but they are using this place as an alibi. You know, well, we couldn't have done X, Y, and Z because we were at this place all night. Look, there's witnesses, and we were talking to the bartender and owner the whole time and really setting up this idea. And we, we still are never told in this first episode what happened. We have this kind of flashback to to Dupin interrogator, not interrogating, but interviewing and getting this confession from Roderick. And he's even like, oh, yeah, New Year's 1980. I remember what happened. And I'm sitting there screaming at my screen, just, what happened? Like, stop hinting at it. We, the audience, need to know. Tell us. Uh- <laughs> what happened, David? Why? What, was, what was going on with Roderick's fingers? What? I mean, yeah. they looked... I don't know if they were, they didn't look dirty, but I'm like, she's really like a plaster or something like it was. Yeah. But it was all just very like dangled there in front of us. Like you got to wait, you don't get to know yet. (laughs) But man, it was really interesting, which it was fun to see that setting because I think actually it was this year or whatever, the last New Year's we had going into 2023. Uh, I rang in New Year's at like a local brewery uh, this last year, which. Nice. It was, you know, kind of a smaller ordeal like this. It was a little more busy than this was, I think, but not by a whole lot. And honestly, it was pretty great. It was just, it was fun. Like, it was just sit around and had some music going on. And then when New Year's hit, we just, like, went outside to the patio and all took a shot of champagne and Happy New Year's. And then went back in, drank another beer, closed the place down and went home. It was nice. Nice. <laughs> not a bad way to, to ring it in. Yeah. But yeah, they meet this bartender, I guess, owner of the place, but there's a lot more mysterious about her uh, anyway. But this character of Verna, played by uh, Gar- uh, Carla Gugino, um, she knows things, something. I don't know. She's very mysterious, and there's a lot of questions around her. But even just the things that she says to them at the bar this night, that when they first meet, you know, the, oh, the first two are on the house, buy now, pay later. That's what I always say. So yeah, it's just... It's ominous, you know, she just seems to know, oh, it seems like you two have already been partying ending 79 with a bang, huh? 
you know, you're going to be here for the ball dropping so you can, you know, make your resolutions. And you know what a resolution is, really. It's a deal you make with the future and the future's coming fast. And it's just very, like, creepy, ominous things that she's saying that seem like nice banter. But you're like, there is something hidden underneath all of those words. And, and then we see that she ends up playing a very major role for Roderick and Madeline, where we have this kind of quick glance at later on, she's at the table with them and she is telling him also, we are outside of time and space and, you know, everything changes for you tonight. And it's just very, yes, you know, like is a deal being made. And that's what it seems. Cause at the end, Roderick is, is saying to Madeline, it's time, it's time. Where it's like, is there some kind of deal? Is there something that Verna has given them in exchange for something she's expecting back from them? And now it's time to pay the devil her due. Uh, I've never read the book. I've never seen any other movie adaptation. So this story is brand new to me. And I'm trying to stay as, you know, clear going into it as I can. So I, mm-hmm. I'm literally just making assumptions. I know nothing about this. And so that's kind of what I read into it as a first time experience of this story. But I'm I'm excited to see what all that means. You know who, why, where, what, when, how, what is she? It, yeah, huge mystery uh, as to who she is. She's obviously very important somehow in the ushers' lives uh, from the time that she met them until like where we see them in present day, mm-hmm. uh, because she's um, she pops up a lot in flashbacks or you know just in like flashes of uh roderick's mind Mm -hmm. uh, and he's afraid of her so and it did feel a little bit like a deal was being done um like you said like almost like a, a deal with the devil because it's it's interesting that you know seeing their story from when they were children to when they were teenagers when their mom died the there's three stories that were told in this first episode and somehow mm-hmm. they're intertwined. I I don't know yeah. how yet, but I, I feel like Roderick was being very intentional in these stories that he was telling uh, Dupin. I'm, I know I'm butchering that name. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like it was very intentional, the stories that he chose to tell. And for some, yeah. we don't know how yet. I don't have it figured out. And I don't think I'm supposed to, or any of us are supposed to, but uh, it's intentional, and I, I was trying to pay very close attention, um, maybe too much so. Sometimes I get so hyper-focused on some things, I miss others. That's why mm-hmm. it's always good, I guess, to watch it twice and take notes yeah. and things like we do. But uh, Because especially when I'm, we're watching a Mike Flanagan series and podcasting mm-hmm. on it, because everything he does <laughs> is yes. there for a purpose. <laughs> Through everything in, in the scenes from like the backdrop and the scenery to the words that are being spoken to the things that you see placed around, um, you know, everything's intentional. Uh, so, you know, I, 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 I got really hyper analytical uh, trying to really pick up on what's going on. I don't know anything yet, but I feel like there's purpose there. And I feel like there has to be a purpose. And we got that little scene because it's like when they when when Roderick and Maddie come into the bar. They were like, hey, you know, we work just right down the street. We've, I don't think we've seen this place before. Is this new? Did you just open up? And just kind of like, oh, well, you know, kind of, you know, being really vague. And then yeah. they're like, oh, it's kind of dead in here. And she's like, oh, we're more of a midnight, you know, kind of place. Um, and then she sits down with them later, you know, and having that conversation. And then, and then when she makes that comment about, 
being somewhere between time and space. And I'm like, did this place just like appear out of like necessity? Did was there mm. like some like she was aware of what they just whatever it was that they just did before they came in, in right. into there? Is it did this just come out of nowhere, you know, because of um because she kind of picked up somewhere in the universe of what what I'm guessing a bad deed, I guess, because there was talk of police. You know, mm-hmm. if the police don't show up by midnight, then we're good. They needed an, some kind of like alibi. Um, Madeline looked very nervous about Roderick, who seemed to be very chatty. You know, mm-hmm. she kept kind of giving him the side eye, like, would you shut up? Like, you're you're talking way too much is the vibe that I got from her. Like, she mm-hmm. was like wanting to shut him down. Like, you know, we're just here to kind of be seen. Um, make sure we chat and people see us or hear us and know that we're here. But you you need to, like, be quiet. That's like the vibe that I was getting from her. Yeah. Um, so it's like I, I, I just assume they did something sinister or, um, you know, up to no good. So, yeah, it's interesting because it's like if if. She is some sort of like, and I don't know, uh, you know, like devil type figure and they made some kind of deal. It's interesting because we see in the courtroom scene um, when he's like, you know, I, you know, they've never been charged with anything for the last 40 years. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, they've gotten away with everything, not even like a speeding ticket, you know. So it's like, how did they manage to get by with everything or, you know, with everything that they've done and and stay out of trouble and nothing, um, you know, no consequences have ever come about. But now are things now um those consequences are now being paid up if you will yeah. by what we're by what we've seen um you know because we were kind of told well here's here's what happens right here at the beginning so we know kind of what happens <laughs> yeah <bit> with the <laughs> children <laughs> i was kind of surprised i was like oh hell we're, we're kind of being told at least part of the story you know right mm-hmm. here in the in the beginning so is this kind of that you know time to pay the piper so to speak i wonder yeah. So, and Verna, she said her name's Verna. And of course, all the Poe references, you know, and, and look, I'm not an expert by any means. I'm not going to claim to be. So I'm sure a lot of people are going to probably either be saying, no, that's not right. Or they're going to be way better experts than me. And that's totally fine. Um, but I, you know, I, I do um, have always been drawn to Poe and his work since I was very young and introduced to Poe. Um, so I'll, I'll throw in some things here that I, I, I saw. But Verna is an anagram for Raven. Uh-huh. So I didn't yeah, even think about it. I didn't even connect that necessarily, but I mean she's got the mask and we see at the end that the raven is mm-hmm. definitely attributed to her and connected in some way that that's what Roderick sees is this raven raven and connects it with her. So but I I didn't yeah. put together the anagram thing. That's good. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like there's a little bit of a tie there anyway, like yeah. you know, ties her with, with the raven. I I don't know how, but um you know, so yeah, I, I I liked that scene. I liked all the stories. They were, they were really great. Um, they've done a done a great job so far yeah. setting all this up. Uh, well, my first point, I wanted to just start out first because again, it just felt so good to be watching uh, another amazing series uh, from Mike Flanagan and his team. I have to give bonus points for the opener with Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, love love Pink Floyd all-time fave of mine and you know mike flanagan has a really great um standard of the music of like really great kick-ass music that he puts in his series like the yeah. the music just always hits right he, he he's got good placement 
knows just what song to use in certain scenes. So I love that. Um, but then thought of, and I don't know if, if, if it, if it is tied to this, but when the, when the song starts, it, you get a shot of a brick wall. Right? Yeah, another brick and, in the wall, and there's it's this cask of Amontillado kind of vibe. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad you caught that. The cask of um, Amontillado. Is that, I don't think Amontillado. I'm pronouncing that right. Amontillado. Thank you. Goodness, I'm terrible today. It's been a long day. <laughs> thank you for the correction. Uh, but yeah, I was like, nice job, Mike Flanagan. So hats off um, for that reference. Um, I love the setting when Dupin gets out of his car like he's going into this neighborhood it is just it's dark it's gloomy <laughs> it's very gothic and i yeah. oh i just i'm eating it up it is so great um the the darkness the houses the decay um you know the windows boarded up it's like something straight out of poe i mean flanagan mm-hmm. really got um you know that right in my opinion also just all throughout the the episode and i'm sure for the entire season, uh, Mike Flanagan's beautiful use of language. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about it so many times, you know, just the, like, it's almost poetic in some <laughs> of the series and some of the episodes. And um, I know there's been a few folks like, I just, people don't talk like that and I don't like it. And that's okay. You don't have to, but I know I love it. Yeah. And uh, it's always I, been one of my favorite things about Flanagan stuff yes. is the dialogue. And Yeah. Yes, the dialogue. So, so great. And and this episode was so rich with great, great dialogue. Uh, so I just, I, I loved it. It's so poetic. I love how he um, uses words um, in all of his series. Mm-hmm. Um, we got more like religious themes. We yeah. see this over and over in other Flanagan series as well. He's definitely um, got this relationship and he likes to kind of get that out creatively in his work. So we see it here um, really heavy in the first episode with um, Maddie, um, Maddie and Roderick's uh, mom. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that's it. Just a quick first point of just like diving into it and just like feeling like, Oh, I'm home. You know, it's mm-hmm. October. <laughs> got another Mike Flanagan series to jump into. And it was so, so good that it just, it just felt great. And yeah. I wanted to just kind of talk about that for a minute and give it a little shout out about how great it was to, you know, just how satisfying that first episode was. Absolutely. I'm like giddy. Like you see me, especially like last night. Cause I watched it. You know me, I stay up. And I'm going to watch it when it first drops I know, on you're the night owl. <laughs> but, like, this first episode, because when it ended, because, you know, it ends, it goes to black, and then that, like, title screen with the fall of the House of Usher comes up in white. And I literally was, like, clapping, like, giddy. I was just like, yes! Oh, <laughs> We're going nice. off! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Just, just so good. It just felt so good. Like a warm mm-hmm. bowl of soup cuddled under the blankets and just oh just the best thing ever to uh it's what that sh- what his shows feel like to me mm-hmm. um like a bomb for the soul if you will yeah. as camille put it <laughs> yes yes but, <laughs> but not, not sarcastically like, not, sarc- I was gonna say, not sarcastically <laughs> truthfully yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> all right what's your second point all right well you know me i'm i'm uh predictable where do some quick, smaller stuff, and then I'll really dig into the meat later. So another kind of quicker one, but just this dynamic between Roderick, Usher, and Charles 
August Dupin, uh, Augie, uh, where beginning of the episode, Roderick sends for Augie to have, uh, you know, a little personal tell all one on one confession here in, uh, Roderick's abandoned and rotting childhood home. Uh, we learn that Augie Dupin, whatever you want to call him, uh, <laughs> August, he is the like government, like attorney who is charging this family and really in control of bringing them to justice and bringing them down. And it's kind of been his life's work. And now after all six Usher children have mysteriously or tragically died within two weeks, uh, Roderick is now ready to just lay it all out. Plus more, um, maybe some more bonus stuff too. And just confessed all the charges, all the counts, but he has to tell everything. You're going to have to buckle in and listen to his story from the very beginning all the way to the end. And it's going to get weird. Uh, <laughs> it does indeed. <laughs> he's telling him is like my mother and my children and New Year's Eve and all these things I'm telling you. It's like it all every piece is important and you're not going to want to believe it. But it's true and it's it's important. And I'm just so curious what all this could be. I'm excited for this ride. I really mm -hmm. am. Uh, yeah. And he's saying that it's his fault that his kids are all dead, which again makes me question this. What deal? Where does Verna play in with this? What has he done? Uh, and there's a lot to unpack. And what I'm really excited about with this one, which is funny because it kind of comes off the heels of us covering you this last season mm -hmm. with like a murder mystery vibe. This one's almost like a supernatural murder mystery in its own way. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Where... This more plays off of the idea of who's the informant and they're kind of, you know, happy hunting. But then we're learning, like, okay, what did happen to his family? What is done? And there's going to be little pieces of the mystery that are revealed and solved one at a time. So I'm, I'm so excited to see how all that plays out. And it's going to be kind of the mod. I think it's going to be a back and forth of like current day and two weeks ago, like when his kids were all alive and then some more stuff from his childhood and younger days and how it all connects. So it's going to be a fun puzzle to piece together. Uh, <laughs> I agree. Uh, he, he has one little line, though, about like, oh, you could ask Madeline about that. It's like, oh, she's downstairs in the basement. And then he never mentions that again. I'm like, how ominous was that? What does that mean? <laughs> why is she in the basement? I don't have a I know. note about that. I was like, why is she in the basement? And why did you say it that way? And I it know. never gets brought up again. Never again in the episode. I'm like, well, what about the... I don't like the way that sounds. Uh, no, and the door was like open, yeah. like cracked open there behind him, mm -hmm. and I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> uh, I don't like it. Which, I was looking for hidden ghosts a lot in the episode. I'm assuming that there's not any, really. It's not a haunting show, quote-unquote, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm going to look anyway. Uh, the only thing that I saw that's related to that or close to that was this ghost of uh, Roderick's mother, Eliza, standing behind Augie, which yes. the way that they did it, because it was literally like, they, he told the flashback story, and immediately as it cut back, we're seeing Augie sitting in the chair, and she's standing right there. And I was like, there it is! I see it! Like, I'm, like, it's there, and it takes a while, but then Roderick even, like, mentions, like, well, I guess I'm supposed to tell you that, because she's here. She's right behind you. Um, so I, I don't say I would necessarily call it a hidden ghost, because they directly talk about it, but it was still creepy. Very creepy. Very creepy, uh, yeah. But then I kind of laughed a little bit where he's like i'm not going to turn around roderick and then 
ghost Eliza's like, oh, fine then. I guess I'm not needed. And just like walks off. Like, goodbye then. Like, fine then. (laughs) Missed opportunity and just skulks away. (laughs) Yeah. But, but just their, their back and forth was, was really interesting. And it's a good storytelling tool to like get all this flashback is through him revealing and confessing to the attorney, which is cool. And you can tell that like they are like mortal enemies that have been at each other for so long that they have this mutual respect for each other to some degree. Like Dupin hates Roderick and everything he is and everything he stands for. And it is his life's goal to put him in prison, lock him underneath the prison and save humanity from this horrible evil man. But there is also this like, but he's been doing that for so long that he knows Roderick Usher. He knows who he is and he kind of has, he said almost this familiarity to him, almost respect, but not quite. Uh, to where they have this kind of fun back and forth banter, you know, where he's like, I was actually impressed with your opening statements. And, you know, it's like, well, what about your family? And they can dig at each other. They know each other at that point, which I, I kind of laughed at that line. And he's like, well, my family was all there on day one. Why wasn't your husband there? Why weren't your kids there? What was it? And he's like, well, some of your family were indicted co-conspirators. That's why they're there. And he's like, hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> I did you pick up and and I don't know but there seemed uh to be some familiarity between them not just based on like maybe depend trying to constantly go after him and his family or anything but like uh Roderick called him Augie mm-hmm. that feels like a nickname almost yeah. like they've known each other like outside of all of this court business and outside of like um, all of these charges and things. Did you pick up on that at all? I, like I didn't really think about it that way, but it very much could be the case. I could see that. I wonder. I don't know. They just seem to like really know each other. Yeah. If that like it, it, it's it's outside of uh, what we saw like from the courtroom and maybe this long history of him constantly trying to like come after the family or whatever. Um, in that way, it seemed like they they like actually knew each other outside of that. So I'm curious if we'll get any of any of that or maybe I'm off. Um but I did love their banter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought just I don't know. Yeah. There was a chemistry Again, between yeah. between them two. It was really great. It goes to like what you were saying, this the writing, the dialogue, the conversations mm-hmm. that like it's one of my favorite things of this whole episode is just the back and forth that, that Dupin and Usher have. Isn't Bruce Greenwood just killing that role? (laughs) He's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I've always uh, loved Bruce Greenwood in other roles, but wow, he's just, I'm like. Yeah, and without getting too much into the specifics of of everything and all the mess, wasn't he, like, if I remember correctly, he was like backup plan. He wasn't even the original cast for this. (laughs) Right. They. I, I don't know all the details, so I won't uh, yeah. go in, into it, but there was uh, something that happened during production, mm-hmm. and I believe the original actor that was supposed to have played uh, Roderick Usher um, was no longer going to be playing Roderick Usher, yep. so they kind of phone a friend, <laughs> as Bruce yeah. Greenwood has got a long history in the Flanniverse, yep. uh, like many others in, in, in this um, series. And he, he's come in, and I think he's just absolutely nailed it. He's yeah. doing a fantastic job. Yeah, where even after so, just this one episode, I'm like, 
no this is great i I don't even want to imagine it with another actor now like this is great yeah i can't imagine uh anyone else being able to to do it justice like like he is i think he's just absolutely fantastic so i'm loving i'm loving it well i think they always do a really great job i think mike plane again and whomever his team and when they're you know doing their casting and, and yes he uses a lot of the same people it would be a shorter list to name people who haven't been in yeah, another absolutely you know either mike flanagan movie or series than um of all the ones that have been um uh so far but uh so yeah he's i think really great um, I like what you were saying there. I think as long or like as far as the setting, um, you know, I'm not I don't recall every detail of the um, the poem or short story of the fall yeah. or um, the House of um, Usher. Um, but it is very much like that. It has, yeah. you know, Roderick Usher and this narrator, you know, having this conversation and it's kind of in a setting very much like that. I mean, the way that they've described it in the story and then the way they put it in the series in a visual format, I mean, yeah. I think is spot on. And and the atmosphere that you get in the series is very much like how it comes across in the in the story, too. So I, I think he's done an amazing job. And again, the dialogue was just and the banter between the two. Perfect. Just mm-hmm. chef's kiss. I agree with you. Well, you talked about the uh, New Year's Eve story. I want to kind of go back a little farther and talk about um, seeing and meeting Roderick and Madeline as children and getting a little bit of history. Because, again, I'm I'm really curious. I have so many questions. I don't know if I'm going to have a whole lot of insight, but just like kind of questions about what we got from the story. So we meet their mom um, and and learn that they, uh, Maddie and Roderick are illegitimate children of this man who actually owns this Fortunato Pharmaceuticals. Yeah, Um, he's the previous owner and CEO that of this company that we come to learn now. Madeline and Roderick are running all these years later. Yeah, a lot of (laughs) lot of questions there, but without without coming out and saying it, uh, you know they they definitely imply that and it's just Mm -hmm. like kind of known and he wants nothing to do with them uh you know he's married and you know we don't know anything about this relationship that he had with their mother her name was eliza um but she worked for him as his secretary uh so we don't know if this was some sort of consensual thing that they had going on was there like some misconduct or something on on his part him being the boss or something we don't we don't really know that Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but the show definitely makes it clear that uh, they they are his children, and he yeah. doesn't want them around. Doesn't even want them on on his property. He's not a very likable fellow um, no. at all. But played wonderfully by Robert Longstreet. Another yes, it was, I was so happy to favorite. see him again. <laughs> yeah, he's he was really great. So good to see him again. He's a fantastic actor. Um, but he was not a very nice character um, by any means. So curious to know, you know, how how does that come about? And, and what are we supposed to, like, get from this story? Uh, Roderick says, you know, I... I w- said I was never going to be anything like my father. Like he, ca- he, he straight up calls uh, Mr. Longfellow his, his, his father um, mm-hmm. and says that, you know, if, if you're my blood, the gate is open and was a really great way to say like, you know, that dude's gate was like always closed. Right. Yeah. And definitely closed to them. Like they were not 
to be there. They were not to be seen at all. He didn't want to even acknowledge that they existed. Um, his gates were closed to them. And when he says, you know, you know, I have six children by five mothers and I'm like, Oh goodness, he got around. Um, <laughs> but my, you know, my, my gates are always open. Doesn't matter if you're an usher, your, you know, gates are open um, just by principle. And I thought, okay, is that part of what, and maybe it's just part of, and I, I don't know. Cause I, I feel like, we're going to get more to that and why we were told these three different kinds of stories and seeing these flashbacks that kind of shaped Madeline um, and Roderick and who they are. Um, and if that kind of plays into what we're going to see um, in the future. So I was kind of trying to figure, figure that out. Are we just, you know, also establishing um, Mr. Longfellow as you know, as their father and they were illegitimate. He was the owner of Fortunato Pharmaceuticals and somehow through events between that time and when they were teenagers and came back later um, to, you know, now that they own this company, I'm like, how did that, Yeah. how did that come to be? Like, it's not like they were his heirs or something and they were just going to inherit. How, how did that come to be? So big, big question uh, for me um, for, you know, um, how that came to pass especially with like what happened like his well we saw what happened with um their mom um and coming back to like kill him that's that's a whole other thing i don't even know how to talk about yeah. that <laughs> like, <laughs> i don't know and i feel like i'm kind of spiraling here a little bit um because i'm just trying to piece it all together and i don't know that i, I can so what did you think about that that story Oh man, I mean it is it's my next point. So Yeah. It's perfect to just have yeah, you talked about yeah, setting it up. Oh man. I it hurt my soul to see poor little little Roddy's ankle. I was like, Oh, that looks rough. <laughs> like he really, really yes. messed that thing up. Uh and we know he didn't get any painkillers or anything for it, because we learn about um uh, more of his mother's uh, ideology and things a little bit after that. Uh I did really love the line. Uh, from Roderick saying, you know, if pain and suffering were the kisses of Jesus, then he kissed the living fuck out of my mother in the years that followed. Such a great down. line. Yeah. Uh <laughs> so good. Loved it. But yeah, uh, without this becoming too much of like a religious conversation, not that we've ever shied away from that in the past, but <laughs> uh, especially with Flanagan, but it is part and of this backstory mess. here. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, we, we learned that Roderick and Madeline's mother was extremely religiously devout. Uh, to the point of extreme detriment, where she refuses any kind of medical involvement, uh, believes, oh, well, God is going to heal and take care of anything and everything just by devotion and prayer alone. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, obviously she gets sick and dies. Shocker. Um, <laughs> but, you know, not before rising from the grave as a terrifying zombie-looking mess and killing Longfellow on her way out. Uh you know, talk about lifelong trauma for, for Roderick and Madeline there. But then we learn that they have covered up this actual death of William Longfellow all of these years. Like, this mm -hmm. is the first time he's actually said what really happened that night to anybody, it seems. As he's an old man, uh, a grandfather himself now, and this for the first time he's saying, yeah, here's actually what happened that night. And it wasn't so much as like, and it's haunted us forever, but he's like, you know, my mother's last act in in life was to kill a powerful man and i still love her for that like there's interesting yeah. <laughs> how he phrases that right yeah yeah but man that that scene this <laughs> grave rising zombie mom <laughs> scene uh man 
it was it again it comes from the fact that she was yeah i was trying to find a nice way to say it but but yeah uh i don't know if there really is um but yeah but her kids refuse to get anyone involved they can't call any Mm -hmm. police or doctors or because she can't be embalmed or altered in any way her body there's probably some kind of religious belief of like oh she can't go to heaven if anything is messed with you know who knows like there's a lot of different kind of beliefs in those areas uh and of course i could understand them as kids also just not wanting any government or police or authority getting involved because who knows what that means for them where do they go who do they stay with they don't have anybody the only other family they have is literally like paying was paying their mother off it seems taking care of them from a distance to keep them a secret from his wife and to never have them in his life so yeah what what does that mean for the future of them uh but yeah but that that scene of her like climbing out of the grave and going back in the house and then the kids finding her was just peak horror and it was awesome, you know, her appearing behind Roderick in this flash of lightning. And I'm like, this, this is what I love to see for Flanagan. It's like, you're going to, it's going to get emotional. It's going to be like really deep and the dialogue's great and the characters are great. And then you get a scene like that and you're like, but it is horror. And he's good at that too. <laughs> I love it. It's got some good psychological horror and not just like the jump scares or, you know, scary like some of his other series. So mm-hmm. this one's good so far. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I really enjoyed that that backstory and that scene. But like you were saying, it leaves more questions than it really gives answers because you're like, okay, well, how do you go from that to them being, you know, CEO and COO of this company? Where how does mm-hmm. where does where does A get to be on that? Exactly. Yeah. I it's like we got the beginning of their origin. We see here in like the flash forward in the future how they ended up and how powerful they are. But like, I, I really want to hear that story in between. I want to know, you know, that journey. Um, yeah. I'm excited I did, to, to get to see some of that. I did also really like with that backstory is really learning the dynamic between the siblings, between Roderick and Madeline, where even though Roderick mm-hmm. is CEO and kind of technically in a way, like just, just a little bit ahead of her in the company. She seems to be, at least when they're growing up, the more protective and assertive and dominant of the siblings. She was, she's the one that's not afraid to speak up and out towards Mr. Longfellow. She's the one that seems to really be taking care of her brother. Uh, I don't know the age difference. I don't. Did did they say they're who twins. was older? Who's a, they're twins. I okay, think, so I think they're twins. Yeah. So it's, but you know, because Roderick really took on like the younger brother like role in this though like she was protective of him and she was the one calling the shots growing up and that was pretty clear yeah i th- i think that was true in their youth very early on uh like when mm-hmm. he's like oh well you know maddie being maddie you know we're gonna break yeah. the rules and we're, we're gonna go over <laughs> yeah. there um and and you can see then she's still very assertive um and kind of controlling the situation when they wanted to go confront Longfellow about their mm-hmm. mom when she was sick just before she had died, uh, and then we see it uh, in in the in the future, present not future, but present day. Uh, that she she definitely, I, I think that Roderick is definitely very smart. Um, I'm sure he's 
um, cutthroat, I think, by some of the things that we saw in him and things that he said in this episode. He definitely can be mm-hmm. very cutthroat if needed to be. So I do think he's uh, a very smart businessman. But I do think Maddie is definitely like the driving force behind that company and probably behind yeah. uh, Roderick. They have a very interesting relationship and maybe it's a twin thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, and then she's, there's something special about Maddie too. It's like he, he will say like Maddie knows. She just always knows. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they were passing out the, the, the papers uh, for everyone to sign the non-disclosure forms and she's like, you know, We'll, we'll hand out the forms and I'll get a look at their eyes and then I'll know. Um, yeah. So it's like she just has something, an intuition or something about her um, as well. So they're a very interesting pair of siblings for sure. Yes. I like their dynamic. Um, and Mary McDonald is amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love her. Now this She's is her, this, role. this is her first role in the Flanniverse, right? Is this her first Flanagan family? <laughs> that that I'm aware of. As far of, as I could I find. Have to, yeah, yeah I, I think so. I'd have to probably go look it up to be sure, but I think she is new to the Flanniverse. Mm-hmm. So, welcome. <laughs> yeah. You're doing great so far. Um, yeah, that's what's funny. I mentioned that because my next point that I'll get to a little bit is literally just like Flanagan family reunion. I just wanted to talk about like all the <laughs> cast members returning. So, there's this... Uh, uh, teaser for what's coming up <laughs> so i did a little research on it. like a lot of the core cast i was like okay what have they done where have they been where did they... so yeah great good yeah it, it was like a <laughs> it was like a reunion of yeah. sorts in in this episode for sure um all right is it my turn yes okay yeah um well I wanted to, I'm not going to go too deep specifically into um, the whole scene with the family, but specifically about this bounty mm-hmm. that Roderick puts out there. And I thought that was really interesting. I didn't see that coming. Um, yeah. I thought it was a cool idea, but also a terrible one. <laughs> <laughs> just let's just like, sow the seeds of discord between every family member real quick and just... Watch chaos ensue. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, probably not the best idea to be turning the family against each other, mm. but it has a huge incentive, you know. So I'm like, well, that's one way to, you know, flush out a rat, I guess, mm-hmm. you know. But it's like, um, when they're in court and Dupin is like, oh, we've got this informant, and they're, you know, it's it's an insider, and they're gonna bring him down, like. And and everybody's freaking out, even like the cool cucumber lawyer who can't even be bothered to look up from his um, uh, crossword puzzle, which <laughs> played by the fabulous Mark Hamill. <laughs> I FYI. love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, but it gets everyone all stirred up. And the way that they're when they're talking to the judge and he's like, oh, well, you know, I just I, they're afraid for their lives i couldn't couldn't bring it up before now and he's kind of hedging a little bit like why he couldn't bring Mm -hmm. it up during discovery the uh, knowledge of this this witness so they were aware of i mean that's a big no-no right you can't just bring up some kind of surprise witness without everybody knowing um who and what's going on yeah so i i question did this informant really exist because and we don't know but 
it's like hearing hearing what happened to the court scene and then hearing the conversation between Dupin and Roderick. And he's like, hey, if this is all about me bringing up this informant or, um, you know, and you're trying to like put this on me and make me responsible. And Roderick's like, no, 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 it's me. I am responsible. But it's like, was was there really an informant? You know, um, I, know. I questioned the same thing. Nothing? I- yeah, I feel like there there might be like it probably still could be, but I am curious to see that plays mm-hmm. out because I did like that Dupin's playing a little dirty himself because he knows the rules. He's been doing this a long time, and he he literally does that just to get under the skin of of Roderick and his family because it's like yeah, it gets struck from the record, but the damage is done. You can't put that genie back in the bottle. It's it's in everybody's mind now. He's got them unraveling. Yeah, you can't unsay that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I thought it was a really interesting idea that, you know, they're like, okay, well, everyone now has assigned these forms. Um, it's very uh, uh, tight knit thanks to the expert lawyering over here. Um, but there's not just uh, the heavy consequences of, of, of that, but there's also like mountains like, no, I'm just, I'm just going to straight up kill you <laughs> i was like oh <laughs> okay right. um i was like i was not expect i loved it because it was like I-, I wasn't expecting any of that at all um i thought wow that's that's pretty heavy and then roderick just gets upset and was like 50 million 50 million to the person that finds the informant um yeah and i was like whoa i didn't see that coming either so i think that definitely obviously knowing what happens um and what what we saw after this dinner scene um and this confession um from Roderick that obviously this this really kind of puts the wheels into motion of what we're going to see um for the next um seven episodes so um, so I don't know I'm I'm interested to see if that was a real thing or not um or if it was just something that Dupin was trying to yeah. do to like you know, get the get one over on them, if you will, shake them up because they seem so unshakable, right? Like they get away with everything. This would be the one thing that shakes them up. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What, what's your next point? You said you wanted to talk about the dinner, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I have... Kind of a point that includes that, but it's kind of a big, big point. So I'll hold on to the the casting and, and stuff ah, a little okay. bit longer. Because, yeah, Cause, yeah uh, kind of the biggest point was, yeah, just this family dinner, but also just meeting the, the children of House Usher, right? Uh, and a lot of them just kind of getting to flesh out the family a little bit, uh, which I did love that there was a good bit of comedy and humor still sprinkled in in a lot of these scenes. Uh, <laughs> love that with with freddie being obsessed with the departed and and his wife morella maury and her cake uh <laughs> a lot of uh fun stuff that but during that first scene at the freddie's house with his daughter lenore 
which is the one at the funeral with with Roderick at the bookends of this episode. There's this moment where she's saying, you know, well, whoever the informant is, they would have to be really brave. And she's like holding her phone towards her dad and asking, so are the charges true? And it's like, is it Lenore? I feel like it's definitely a red herring for sure. But I did pick up on it. And I was like, mm, seems kind of weird that she's asking her dad, like, are, is it true what they're saying about us? And she's like pointing a phone towards him uh, <laughs> and being like, the informant must be really brave to stand up against the family because... Yeah, uh, <laughs> but I don't know if it's her. I don't. I don't think it is. But it was a fun little tease, at least. Uh, yeah. But then we up. just get all of the the kids kind of talking about who the informant would be with their different significant others and and things. They all seem to be leaning towards Perry, this social media influencer wild card of the family, the youngest one. It seems uh, the youngest child, uh, except for Victorine, who seems to be very set on it being Camille. Uh, for some reason. <laughs> um, we get to learn about Victorine a little bit, her partner, uh, Alessandra, as they work in these like medical studies that seem to be do- dealing with like cybernetic replacements for- to save lives, like organ transplants and stuff with like, you know, mechanical parts. They're doing this study with the, the chimp, which is kind of cool, but then they're using some stuff from Fortunato that is definitely not cleared by the FDA uh, or any other mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, right. Let's see. Uh, Roderick's family meeting demands all spouses and partners to be there, but then we learn that Leo uh, seems to be keeping his boyfriend a secret. Um, his, he hasn't met his family, and I don't think the family even knows about uh, Julius, I believe his name is. Uh, and he's also keeping secrets from from him as well as he's being serviced by a fan while he's on the phone with his uh, boyfriend. Um, so yeah. maybe not a, such a great guy, but he is being able to keep Julius from family dinner. So, <laughs> uh, see, I don't. There's not a lot about Camille. She's like the media person of the family. Uh, it's Kate Siegel, so I'm sure we'll get lots of great stuff with her. As the season goes oh, she's, on, she was fantastic. Again, I, I've loved she, the way that she can flip between all these characters that she plays that we've seen her in all the different series. Just she nails it. She was so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, at some point, Roderick's doctor comes over to the house and has a very serious matter to discuss off screen. So we still don't know what it is. It's private. Even his wife Juno is not privy to it. But whatever it was seems to have really shaken Roderick. It's something big. Even Maddie kind of realizes this shift in him after this happens. So I'm sure we'll get that revealed. Um, is it like a diagnosis or something's going on? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Might have something to do with how he, the state he ends this episode in. Uh, I don't know. It feels like he's got some kind of condition because he had that bloody nose and then falls mm-hmm. on the ground. So yeah, there has to be something. Yeah. Yeah, we have a uh, Prospero Perry uh, pitching his Prospero nightclubs to his dad and his aunt. These super exclusive dens of iniquity, uh, and they absolutely hate it. Uh, <laughs> Speaking as, of you, kind of remind me of a certain character in in that right. last season of you that we covered in a certain character in his business that he was into. Yes, absolutely. Very much like that. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, as Roderick says, it's, you know, being an usher is about changing the world. It's not a blowjob whiskey bar. <laughs> like, that's fun. Uh, and then at the dinner, I just thought, Roderick is such a big fan of Maury's cake shenanigans. You know, oh, wait, it's cake. And I'm just, and the family claps and claps and it's just very awkward. And like, really? Like, there's, who are they appeasing with this? Like, oh, wow. Uh, even the coffee, which I died laughing with Leo, just like leaning over and being like, I bet it's cake. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, and then you talked about, yeah, the NDAs being handed out by Pim, the Pim Reaper, uh, that have so major consequences to the kids and their spouses and families. If anything is broken, it's this way of trying to prevent the possible informant, if they so exist from speaking out because if they do then legally they lose all inheritance all assets family connection and like you said maddie even threatens their life uh but then gotta have leo come back in with he gets handed the paper and goes wait is this cake <sighs> so funny uh <laughs> <laughs> i love him raul coley yes we we love our raul coley yeah, and then, yeah, the last thing about that was just mentioning, yeah, the bounty, which you said, which I did question whenever he's like $50, per, $50 to whoever, uh, you know, unveils the, the informant. And immediately my thought, I was like, loophole? If you are the informant, can you turn yourself in? And then, yeah, you lose your inheritance and assets, but then you still gain $50 million to start fresh all on your own away from the family. That is, if Madeline doesn't have you killed by a hitman the next day. Uh, <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, you better hide from, yeah. use that to hide from Madeline. Yeah. Right. Wow, yeah, I didn't think about that. I wonder if that, that would be a loophole. <laughs> but yeah, so that's just what I talk about. It's just like the family dynamic and kind of those things. We're like, they're, they're a family, they have each other's backs. At least Roderick is like, therefore, you said the open gate policy. but also. There's there's a lot of divisiveness between the family where they all kind of look down on each other for one reason or another. Yeah, it, I'm I'm anxious to learn like why they all seem to hate each other or dislike each other. You know, they're you know snide remarks back and forth to each other, flipping each other off from across the uh, table, accusing each other of being the informant. Um, all those things. And it's like, you know, if they they put up this persona of being such a tight knit family, you know, Madeline was very much like, you know, the company is the family, none of you would be here without it. And we don't turn on each other, right? Like they, they were absolutely shocked that one of them could turn on on the family, right? They, mm -hmm. they seem to have a very um, strong sense of family. Um, so to, to see them all kind of bickering, they, they hate the, the new wife, you know, um, that could be, um, you know, the age of like their grand or his granddaughter. Um, you've got the, some of the illegitimate kids who are, who are bickering. So I'm, I'm, and none of them are really that like good of people, right? Like uh, that they all right. seem to have, you know, like something kind of crappy personalities about some of them so it's like it's very yeah. interesting and i love that i love that i mean it's it's great to have like flawed characters and stuff so i'm interested to learn more so it was a really great introduction um to these to these kids looking at my points i think i've got all my major points um covered so i just have like some notes and i think a few easter eggs too so do you have 
more points that you wanted to cover? Yeah, uh, just the kind of Flanagan family reunion, the the casting. Just so it's not even like a point on the episode necessarily, as far as just talking about the cast and seeing everybody back together. Like you mentioned, it does feel like a family reunion in a way. Uh, so yeah, just kind of go over some of those. Like you mentioned, Carla Eugenio, uh, it's done a lot of stuff. So yeah, just to see her as Verna, this mysterious character. Um, but then Kylie Curran, which is the granddaughter, Lenore, uh, the daughter of Freddie and Morella here. She was Abra mm-hmm. in Dr. Sleep. So I love seeing her again in the Flanniverse. I think this is our first yes. TV series, but <laughs> she was so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ruth Cod is back from Midnight Club, which love seeing her. She was Anya was a big highlight of that show. So she's here as Juno, Roderick's new young wife, who none of the kid, kids are fond of because she seems to be younger than all of them, except for maybe Perry. Uh, <laughs> like, this is weird. I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> uh, See, so he's not a returning member of the Flanniverse, but I have to point out Mark Hamill, like he did, is the Pym Reaper family attorney, Arthur Pym. It's just, I love seeing Mark Hamill in this, so that's, I'm glad he's here. Uh, mentioned Bruce Greenwood. Roderick Usher, I think this is, yeah, he's returning to the Flanniverse after, this might be his first series as well. He was in Gerald's Game and Doctor Sleep, but I think this might be the first Mm -hmm. series. Maybe, yeah, I'd have to go back and look, but yeah, you're probably right. Uh, Another Doctor Sleep uh, poll, uh, Carl Lumbly, who plays August, Augie Dupin, he was Doc Holleran in Doctor Sleep. That's right! Mm -hmm. Totally forgot he was in that, yeah. Golly, a lot more people than what I thought. Yeah, uh, more casting of the Usher kids, of course, our good, close, personal friend, Henry Thomas, as we like to joke about. Uh, That's right. Frederick, Our bestie. Yeah, <laughs> it's Freddie Usher, uh, Kate Siegel as Camille, the wonderful, fantastic, unmatched Raul Coley as Napoleon Leo Usher. Uh, Samantha Sloyan is back as Tamerlane Tammy Usher. Tania Miller, God, I loved her in Blind Manor, so it's so good to see oh her goodness. back as Victorine yes. Lafossade. Uh, Sorian Sapkota, which re- making his return from Midnight Club as Perry Prospero. Uh, and then Matt Bedell is back as Bill T, uh, Tammy's partner. This He's another kind of YouTube, social media kind of like influencer kind of guy. Uh, don't have a lot on him yet, but Love Matt Bedell in these. Uh, we get Annabeth Gish coming to play Eliza, uh, the mother of Roderick and Madeline. And then you mentioned Robert Longstreet as William Longfellow. Uh, Longstreet is a Longfellow. Uh, Camille's assistants, I guess. We get them in just quick one little scene, but Aya Furukawa and Igby Rigney, both from... Midnight Club, and Igby Rigney was also in Midnight Mass as uh, Riley's younger brother. Yes. Uh, and then, it's speaking even. of Riley from Midnight Mass, Zach Gelford as the young Roderick there at the New Year's bar. Uh, <laughs> Love him! And also, younger Madeline there was an interesting pull back from the Flanniverse that I did not recognize at first and had to look up is Lulu Wilson, who played young Shirley in The Haunting of Hill House. And I think this is the first time she's been back in the Flanniverse since that. And she's grown up quite a bit since then. It's crazy to think it's been that long since Hill House came out. 
she went from oh one gosh. of the young kids to to a full like adult actress in this series. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how everyone's grown. How it's weird to think yeah, how much time has passed since then. It feels like yeah. yesterday. But yeah, so just pointing out, like, it was, this first episode was a lot of me, like, the Leonardo DiCaprio, like, meme pointing at the screen, like, and them, and that one, and that one. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, look, look right there, look right there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's hilarious. (laughs) It was, this seems to be, um, one, like, the series, like, with probably the most of, of, like, his former, um, or not former, but you know people that have been in his other series or movies um, before. So, yeah, it was a lot. Like I said, the list is probably uh, shorter of people in this, um, at least his first episode so far that haven't been in something yeah. he's created. <laughs> it's awesome. What about notes? Uh, I've got a few little things uh you can go first either way i'm good with either either okay well i think we've covered a few so let me run through the list here we've talked about roderick's condition or mystery condition we don't Mm -hmm. don't know what's going on there um talked about roderick and madeline's dynamic very interesting um between them two curious to see more of their relationship talked about madeline in the basement that i definitely called that i was like what like that's <laughs> why is she in the basement what Roderick? a weird throwaway uh, line uh, <laughs> don't leave us and there. to not <laughs> and to not be brought up or mentioned again yeah. you know um i thought it was interesting during this conversation with dupen that he keeps getting these uh text messages from his granddaughter lenore and he's mm-hmm. constantly ignoring them I don't know if that means anything or not. Um, And and that's, of course, assuming the messages that he's getting are really from her. Was he just saying that? Um, But if they are from her, why is he ignoring them? You know, is that going to, I don't know, it just seemed kind of weird. Like we kept getting these text messages and it kept being brought up. So again, I feel like so many things are intentional. Everything is intentional um, in these series. Um, I, I kind of laughed when uh, Frederick, you, you mentioned him bringing uh, Frederick uh, Usher bringing up The Departed, and he seems to be a big fan mm-hmm. of this movie. I've I've heard, I don't know what it is, I've heard so many references like, oh my gosh, people just really put this movie on a pedestal. And I just, <laughs> from hearing that and then hearing that in the series, like it's like um, how he, he brings it up and apparently is like his favorite movie as well. Um, so I thought that was just kind of funny um, as a throwaway. But, um, and I love The Departed, don't get me wrong. I'm not besmirching yeah. it by any means it is Other really great exist, but it, I just, <laughs> yeah i was just like <laughs> oh he's he's one of those that really think very very highly of that film um mm. you mentioned the quote pain and suffering were the kisses of jesus i i thought wow that again just the words just like mm-hmm. you know poetry um so i have a few easter eggs um and a lot of them are referenced to to Poe because obviously he's definitely a huge influence on the series oh, yeah. and a lot was taken from his work. So some Easter eggs, um, the eulogy. So if you caught the opening uh, scene of the series um, for the um, 
three children um, that he was uh, bearing in, in that service. Um, the remarks from the minister were from different uh, sources of Poe's work. Two of them um, are poems. One's called For Annie, and it was, Thank heaven the crisis, the danger is past, and the fever called living is conquered at last. Um, it was from um, yeah. that poem. And Spirits of the Dead, uh, when he says the line, The spirits of the dead who stood in life before thee are again in death around thee. Um, and then the other two are from short stories, one from uh, called The Premature Burial, and one uh, from The Imp of the Perverse. Um, so definitely getting some uh, Poe dialogue in here. Um, August Dupin. So that his name comes from the investigator in Poe's 1841 short story, The Murders in the Rue Morgue. Okay. Uh, Fortunato is the name of the, um, obviously that's this, uh, pharmaceutical empire that the Usher family um, controls. That is actually from an 1846 short story that the Cask of Amontillado um, that we talked about. Um, that that's where that name comes from. Uh, William Longfellow, uh, who fathered Roderick and Madeline um, with Eliza, um, that name. Uh, comes from oh sorry so this that person was oh he was a contemporary sorry let me backtrack William Longfellow was a contemporary who Poe famously accused of imitating other poets to create his success his success leading to what is sometimes referred to as the Longfellow Wars according to Flanagan um, so that's where that comes from Eliza Usher um, who played um, the mother of Roderick and Madeline, who was played by the amazing Annabeth Gish. She is named after Poe's own mother. Her name was Eliza. Um, Arthur Pym. Um, He gets his name from Poe's only complete novel, um, 1838's The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. And I won't talk about any of the stories or what they're about. If y'all want to read them or go look into them, you know, you can do that. Um, but I'm not going to go into like what they're about, but just kind of talk about the stories. Um, and then John Neal, who played the judge, um, who was played by Nicholas Lee, which took me a hot minute because I didn't recognize him with the facial hair. But Nicholas Lee, I know very well from the X-Files. Um, he played Alex Krychek, um from the X-Files. So oh, yeah. it was cool to see him. Um, <laughs> But his name was John Neal, the, um, the character. He was the one presiding over the case. Um, he is named after an influential critic who helped raise Poe's profile. So it's it's cool how all of these characters' names uh, from the series have come uh, from either Poe's works or s- somehow uh, intertwined with his life. Um, yeah. So I'm, and I'm sure we're going to see a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. It's only one episode. Lots of stuff he can do. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah, we got seven more episodes, and that's what Mike Flanagan's great at is all those Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. So that's all I've got. Um, uh, what What have you got? Uh, just a few other little things. Uh, Mark Hamill's screwed up little, like, tight, scrunched, mean mug face in the court <laughs> was just really fun. I liked that. <laughs> uh <laughs> Um, let's see. Yeah. Uh, at the, at the funeral, Roderick is sitting and seeing 
Verna up at the top and then like the flash of like the dead children at the end. But then the very beginning of the episode, you know, other than like the Pink Floyd bit is we see these little glimpses of their deaths in like different colors and different things. It was really interesting to like start there and then learn what we do uh, with the she's here. Uh, also, <laughs> she calls him Grampus, which that's a new one for me. Um, yeah. I've never heard that one before, but okay. Uh, something I, I found interesting is, uh, we get, like, the pictures and names of all the Usher kids that died, and I actually paused on each of the news clippings as it showed each of them, just to see if I could find some fun stuff in there. Uh, and so there's, like, a couple little things I pulled from it. Uh, we have Freddy, Usher, reports of a collapse at a construction site, a demolition of a building where there was not supposed to be anybody there, and he was the lone person still inside for one reason or another. Uh, mm. Tammy, Tamerlan Usher was found in her home dead. Uh, Victorine Laforsade was an apparent murder suicide in her home with her partner, Alessandra. Uh, Napoleon, Leo Usher, the gaming prince found at home dead by what was ruled as suicide by leaping off of his balcony. His partner, who was unnamed in the newspaper clipping, claims that Leo darted past him and leapt over the railing. Um, Camille Lespanay, or Lesp however you pronounce her last name, uh, all we get on hers is just gruesome incident, and then Prospero Usher is also just short and vague, just says dies in freak accident. But I did uh, pause on those just to see what I could find on those. <laughs> uh, that's great, because I only looked at the, like, the big bolded headline and they all just seem to be like mysterious or freak accident or, you know, whatever. And I love that. Uh, I didn't, I didn't take the time to, to kind of like zoom in there. So that's interesting and yeah, weird. Mm -hmm. Weird yeah. and mysterious. Uh, yeah. You mentioned, mentioned the, uh, the, the priest or whatever at the funeral that, you know, it was Poe, poems and quotes that he was speaking which makes for a very strange funeral speech uh by the way i was just like man this is morbid for what's supposed to be but i thought so appropriate that's what yeah oh definitely yeah it is it is fitting um yeah like lastly and i, I feel like we're gonna see more of this probably even in the next episode is just that very ending roger goes to get into his car and there's this like evil court jester looking thing that's sitting there that scares him and then he his nose starts bleeding and he collapses backwards on the sidewalk staring up at the raven you know it's time but then of course the first thing i think when i'm looking at the raven i'm going never more uh <laughs> yeah you know we're gonna hear that <laughs> oh yeah but yeah that's pretty much all the extra notes that i had is i love it that was so good yeah i loved all of the weaving in of dialogue from Poe's poems and stories. Uh, it just, it fits this series. It fits, I think, just this theme. Yeah. Um, and of course, being inspired by Poe, it makes perfect sense. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm like, yeah, what he's saying uh, during the funeral and such was, and and when Roderick's voiceover, when we see him and Madeline, like carrying their mom down the stairs, burying her in the backyard, and he's, mm -hmm. he's reciting it too, the same as like what the minister is at the funeral service. And yeah. it was just perfect. Uh, yeah, it's dark, it's morbid. Um, but yeah, that's why I love it. 
Um, very appropriate. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and you said that, that one was something titled like the premature burial or something, right? Which is exactly what happened there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Anything else that we want to say about this episode that's, for the moment anyway? That's it, I believe. That I've got. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds like a good stopping point. Um, I think now would be a good time to get into our listener feedback. All right. So we we were able to get some uh, listener feedback, even though um, we didn't give anyone uh, that much time <laughs> to s- submit the feedback. We were able to get some uh, from y'all. So we really, really appreciate that. If you didn't get a chance to leave um, your feedback for episode one in time, uh, feel free to go ahead and leave it anyway. And we'll, um, you know, catch it on the next one. You know, it never matters um, if, if, you know, we see anything for a, um, a previous episode, we'll read it. So definitely, um, you know, feel free to come back if you didn't get it this round. Um, Peck, you want to kick us off? All right. This first one comes from Lara Willie Swink, who says, resubscribing to Netflix just for this. I'm yeah, I, I bet you and a bunch of other people, uh, Lara, it's hilarious. Worth it. It's totally worth it. I think I said that too. I was like, it's worth it. Do it. Mm-hmm. Lindsay Schlick says, yay, I'm so excited for this one. Bit of a slow start for me, but these shows often start a bit slow for me. I enjoyed the backstory with younger Roderick and Madeline with their mother. Very creepy. And the interview with the DA is also intriguing. That was the only hidden ghost I saw in the episode, the mother moving behind the DA. Do we know if there are more? The family is incredibly unlikable. Hopefully some of them are at least enjoyable later on. Uh, the judge in the trial. That's cry check, right? Oh, Lindsay. I love that you got that. Um, yes, you're right. Um, she goes on. I looked on IMDb and he's not listed, but I swear it's him. I've missed you guys. So glad to be back on this show with you. Oh, that's nice. We're we're uh, happy to be back and happy you're back with us, Lindsay. Yeah. Good to hear from you. Feels normal. Things are back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Got the whole whole crew back with us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one comes from Maureen Favo. says, The discussion between Roderick and Dupin in that room is exactly as I envisioned it when reading Fall of the House of Usher. Flanagan nailed every sense of that story. Also, the music and sound effects are amazing. Agreed. Jessica Duguet says, I'm so excited to hear about it. I've been hooked on the podcast since Hill House and Bly Manor. Ah, oh, thanks. Thanks. And welcome back. We're happy yeah. to be doing more Flanagan for you. Yeah. And then, of course, we got an email from Daphne. Always good to hear. Yay. Says, hi, Rima and Paik. Welcome back. <laughs> so glad to have the podcast back and for you to be covering this adaptation of one of my favorite Edgar Allan Poe short stories. Since this went into development, I have wondered how he would bring this story to life in a series. It's wonderful to see all the familiar faces from not just his Netflix series, but also films. He's also utilizing uh, actors from other science fiction series. Nicholas Lee from the judge as the judge is Crycheck from the X-Files. Also love the reappearance of the Raven throughout. I think this episode set the table for what we are about to see throughout the next seven episodes. Can't wait to listen to you dissect it. In Flanagan we trust, Daphne. P.S. See you both very soon. <laughs> so excited. Yeah. Thank you, Daphne. All right. 
Uh, thank you all so much. Um, as I was saying, we didn't give you all a lot of time uh, to leave feedback for this episode. So please feel free uh, as you're watching to um, go ahead and leave um, feedback for this episode. And I'm going to, I haven't done it yet. I need to do that. Um, hopefully after we wrap up here soon is get posts out for all the episodes because I know we got all of our bingers out there. Um, so be sure if you're binging, um, hey, take a take a minute and uh, go go leave us some feedback. Um, yeah. We'd love to hear what you think about all of these episodes. So I'll be sure to get those put out. But thank you, everyone um, that was able to get something for us today. Yeah. So next on Strange Indeed, um, next week we're or sorry, I said next week. I don't mean next week. Psych. <laughs> uh, next episode of Strange Indeed, we are going to be covering episode two of the fall of the House of Usher. But. It's going to be a little bit uh, before we're able to get back together to record. We, Pake and I both have some travel coming up, and um, it's most likely going to be, I think, Tuesday the 24th. Do I have that that right? Um, before yeah. we have our next episode. So um, apologies in advance. Um, I, I, I really... You know, it's like knowing that we're going to have a little bit of a gap between episodes one and two. I know folks binge these series. They move on very quickly. And y'all are always, you know, looking for our coverage each week. And you're already very patient with us because we do take it episode um, one episode a week by week instead of like doing them all at once like other podcasts do. So I know we're asking a lot of you, but um, we, we really hope that you guys stick with us and um, be be patient as you know we get through some of this travel and be able to get back together to record. Yeah, we we are so excited to get this you know back to this show, and I know all of you were. And then it just kind of <laughs> works out that like preset travel plans that were already like right here as soon as it was like <laughs> oh guys like we're gonna re- that's why we're recording like the day it dropped because like I, we got to get ready to like prepare and stuff for for traveling, and then it's like man we're gone for a week. But yeah, yeah. So we're all getting together. Um, it's our it's our yearly um, or annual trip that uh, many of us do. Uh, some are leaving earlier than others, and some are staying a little longer than others. And everyone's plans are a little different, but we are all kind of merging there in the middle to um, do our annual visit um, with the with the Zeds. Um, so super excited for that. Super excited to see you pick again. Um, yeah. cause gosh, I haven't seen you since, yeah, the finale trip last year, mm-hmm. um, for the walking dead around, it was around the same time of year. So really excited to see everyone. So, yeah. um, excited for that, but apologies that it's also going to delay our coverage. Um, yeah. unfortunately, but we will be hanging out in a house with like 20 other <laughs> podcasters and Zed heads and, <laughs> Yeah, it's just it doesn't really work to try to do more. Ain't, ain't nobody getting nothing done <laughs> no. when we're all <laughs> together like that. So yeah, um, but we will be getting together the minute we get back. Um, we'll be back on our normal, um, typical uh, recording um, schedule. So yes, I hope that y'all hang with us. Um, a little bit of patience, and and we'll be back at it. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so if you want to write in, leave us a message. Again, so you have a little extra time, even, for feedback for this first episode, if you didn't get it in. Mm-hmm. Or we're going to go ahead and get, like Remo was saying, feedback for the second episode, or all the way up through, you know, the finale. All of these, we have separate posts for those on Facebook, if you find them. So you can find us on uh, Facebook, you can find us everywhere, but then if you need all those links, just go to podcastica.com, and you'll get where you need to get to us. 
And while you're there, be sure to check out our other shows. Um, very, you know, we were just talking earlier about Run for Your Lives. You and Daphne have certainly um, continued, even though you and I have been on a break, um, churning out some content. Um, mm-hmm. Anything you want to tease for us this week? Yeah, uh, this week's episode. So uh, we'll be coming out on Friday this weekend, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, our next one coming up is the second half of our double dip this season, where we kind of do two movies back to back that are similar, either remakes or something like that. So this time we are doing Pet Cemetery. So the uh, 1989 Pet Cemetery came out last week. So uh, we're releasing our episode on the 2019 remake this weekend. So you can nice. check that out. Yeah. Well, we love some <laughs> Stephen King. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on at Podcastica. Of course, there's the coverage of um, one of the Walking Dead spinoffs right now, um, the um, Daryl Dixon spinoff right now that yeah. Jason and Lucy have been covering. Which there's, has honestly been so good. I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> I really need to get caught up. I've uh, fallen off just a little bit um, doing other things. So I, but I I've enjoyed what I've seen so far, which yeah. I'm I'm happy for. I've, always loved daryl um he was always one of my favorite characters from the show so i'm happy to hear that it's doing well because i didn't mm-hmm. really love dead city all that much to yeah. be honest with you mm-hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's doing really well um yeah. so yeah check out their coverage for that show um penny and some friends have been covering they're doing a buffy uh rewatch and covering some episodes uh from that show so that's really cool i know there's a huge following for all the buffy fans out there yeah um Wheel of Time, um, I think also just wrapped. So check out our coverage for that. Not ours, like mine, but Podcastica. I mean, yeah, I think uh, <laughs> yeah, Greg and Veronica are covering that on Podcastica. So. Yeah, that's been um, great. So yeah, check everyone out. Go um, when you click on podcastica.com, check out all of the great podcasts, um, past and present. Yes, sure. And make sure while you're there, uh, any of those shows that you enjoy or find, and especially Strange Indeed, you can leave reviews and subscribe, ratings, all of those good things that help promote us and get us out there to even more listeners. We really appreciate that. We do. Please and thank you. Well, all right. That is our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Big. And Laura Willie Swink is Strange Indeed. It felt good to say that again. (laughs) Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.